Usually on the podcast, we'll focus on a pasuk that is hard to understand or problematic in some way. And we try to provide a pshat or some approach that'll help us make sense of this pasuk and potentially learn a lesson from. That is not what we're going to do for this week because the biggest question in Parsha's Mishpatim isn't about any individual pasuk. It's really about what this Parsha as a whole is doing here. We receive the Torah at the end of Parsha's Yisro, and we're going to build a Mishkan in Truma and Tetzaveh, which is the next logical step. After we receive the Torah, we want to ask, how will we bring Hashem into this world? And that's through the Mishkan. However, in between these two Parshios, we have Mishpatim, a Parsha entirely focused on civil laws, interpersonal rules of damages, tort law, stealing, and all the ramifications of it, lending money, charging interest, accidental, purposeful murder, and so many other topics. Now, these are important things to discuss, but why here? Why now? Most of the laws wouldn't apply anyway for quite some time until the Jews would enter the land of Israel. What is Parshish Mishpatim doing here? So famously, the commentators point out that the Parsha begins with Ve'ele HaMishpatim, that Vav, Ve'ele. It's strange. What exactly are we connecting this Parsha to with that Vav HaChibor? The Torah is clearly indicating to us that these civil laws are not meant to be viewed independently. These are not a list of laws that we happen to come to in order to create a more civilized people. Rashi points out that just as the Aser Sadibros were given at Harsinai, so too Mishpatim, these laws, these civil laws were also given. We also derive from here that the Sanhedrin, our highest court system, must be situated next to the Beis HaMikdash. How could we have one without the other? Rav Moshe Sternbach in his Sefer Tam Vadas explains that Kabbalah Satora is connected to this Parsha because it's meant to permeate every aspect of our lives. How we act towards other people is critical. One could be medactic in mitzvos perfectly, but if he charges interest or he damages or steals or mistreats people in any way, he's deficient in his observance. Our job is to fuse the mitzvos ben adam lamakom that define our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, with our mitzvos that are ben adam lechavero and see how each impacts and informs the other. And this is a theme that we see throughout the Parsha. When we're given a mitzvah ben adam lechavero, we're not just meant to understand it on an interpersonal level, but also see how it informs my relationship with the Ribbon Shalom. We don't have time to go through all the mitzvahs in the Parsha to show where this concept would be applied, but let's take a few moments to look at just a few examples. The Parsha introduces us to the four types of Shomrim. We have the Shomer Chinam, the unpaid watchman, Shomer Sachar, the paid watchman, the Socher, the renter, and the Shoel, the borrower. Each of these categories of watchmen have different levels of liability when they are watching somebody else's item. There are a lot more details to this, and the Gemara spends many pages determining exactly what each of the four Shomrim are Chayav for, depending on what damage happens to the item, when the Shomer is watching it, and what they should have done to prevent it or not. While there's some debate about the different categories and their level of liability, everyone agrees that the shoel, the borrower, is essentially responsible for all types of losses. This makes sense, as he gets all the benefit of the item for free. The Torah tells us, in Perech Chavbeis, Pasuk Yud Gimel, V'chiyishal ish me'imreyehu, if a person borrows an item from his friend, V'nishbahar mes, he breaks it, or if it's an animal and it dies, Balaveni mo shalem yishalem, if the owner is not with him, he has to pay. He has to pay for it no matter what happens. But the very next Pasuk adds something interesting. But if the owner is with him at the time that he is borrowing it, even if he's the one using it, he doesn't have to pay. So that's the halacha by Shoel. If he borrows it on his own, he has to pay no matter what happens. 
If he borrows it in the presence of the owner, if the owner is with him, then he doesn't have to pay. Reb Simcha Bonim Mipshischa shares a beautiful idea that emerges from this Pasuk. He explains that each of every one of us, we're Sho'alim, we're borrowers. We borrow our souls from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and we use them in this world. And as borrowers, we're responsible for everything that happens to our soul, whether it's our fault or not. Now, if we live a life away from the owner, away from our creator, then we are responsible for any damage done to our neshama. But if we are with the owner, if we have Hashem in our lives, then the Pesach tells us we're not responsible. If we are mekabo o shamayim, then we can always have a relationship with Hashem. No matter what damage we do to our neshamos, we'll always have the ability to fix, to do tshuva, to repair our neshama. This is also the pshat in the Pasuk of Acha Sha'alti Me'es Hashem. David HaMelech has one request of Hashem to always be with him no matter what. Because if Hashem is always with us, then no matter what spiritual damage we get into, we're just Sho'alim. We'll always be able to come back to Hashem. We won't be responsible for the damage. Later in that same parak, we see a similar idea. In Perak Bez, again, Pasuk Lamed, the Torah refers to Am Yisrael as an Anshe Kodesh Tihyun Li. We are all Anshe Kodesh. Men of holiness, people of holiness. The Kutzka Rebbe points out the tension between being a human being on the one hand, but also being Kodesh. He explains that Hashem isn't looking for us to be perfect. We need to be Kodesh Anashim, Kodesh human beings. Whatever we do that is human is fine, but we have to elevate it. We have to make it Kodesh, holy. That is the idea of so many mitzvahs in this parsha. To be human is to make mistakes, to damage, to potentially have conflict with others. It's inevitable but we always have to do so in a kadosh way, realizing that my relationship with my fellow man informs my relationship with my creator and vice versa. Yes, we are human beings, but we also have to be kodesh. Those two go hand in hand. Finally, one last iteration of this theme in the Parsha is found in the next parak. In parak Chav Gimel, Pazak Dalit, and Hey, we're told of what we should do in a sticky circumstance. Kisivka shoroi vecha. If we see the ox of our enemy, Ochamaro or his donkey, our, our enemy, if it's wandering around, we have to return it to him, even if we don't like the person. And the next puzzle continues, if you see your enemy's donkey, and it has a very heavy burden, we have to help it. We have to lighten the burden. We are supposed to ignore our natural inclination, which would be to refrain from helping it, because it belongs to our enemy, and we should help it nonetheless. This mitzvah is designed to break our Yetzirah. We have to go against our natural inclination to ignore it. What a beautiful idea. However, the Meshachachma points out that this mitzvah is actually repeated in Parshas Kitzetze. We basically have the exact same concept discussed, and we bring down the mitzvah of Hashavah Zaveda there. The only difference is that it doesn't mention your enemy. It only says, Achicha, your brother. So in Mishpatim, we see this mitzvah and it's framed as an enemy, but a friend in Kiseitse. Why the switch? So the Gemara Psachim on Dav Kuf Yud Gimel Amid Beis says that Amar Rabbi Yishmuel Bar Rav Yitzchak Amar Rav Mutter Lisnosa. Rabbi Shmuel Bar Yitzchak in the name of Rav says if you see a person committing a sin, right, you're permitted to hate him. You're allowed to hate him. Shenemar, as it says, how do you know you're allowed to hate anybody? And it quotes our Pasuk. The Pasuk talks about seeing the donkey of someone that you hate. Right? So clearly you're allowed to hate people. What's the context of what you're allowed to hate somebody? If they're your enemy, if they're a sinner. So the Meshachachma explains 
that this Gemara, this weird, strange Gemara about hating people, being your enemy, is the answer to why the Torah repeats this mitzvah without the idea of it being your enemy. Mishpatim, you see, was taught immediately after Matan Torah. At that point, hearing the word of Hashem was so fresh in their minds that someone who can sin was looked at in a hateful way, as an enemy. How could anyone go against the word of HaKadosh Baruch Hu that they all just heard? But Kiseitze was said 40 years later, after Cheda Egel, after the Miraglim, after they had been through so much in the Midbar. Once they had more life experience and understood that people are complex and had been through so much adversity, they had more patience and understanding and were able to give them the benefit of the doubt and view those very same people as their brothers. This reminds us of the famous quote by Rabbi Yisrael Salanter. He said, before I started to learn Musr, I thought the whole world was deficient except me. After I started, I found the world full of sinners, including me. And now that I've learned more, I realize that I am indeed a sinner, but I must judge the rest of the world favorably. We see yet again from the Parsha how the way we interact with others and our mitzvahs benanam lechavero are connected and directly impact our relationship with Hashem. That is what Parshas Mishpatim is doing here. It's meant to remind us that right after we hear the word of God, we must realize that the way we treat others is a prerequisite to building the Mishkan and bringing Hashem's presence into the world. Emirat Hashem, may we all be Zoha to internalize this message and see every single interaction with those around us as an opportunity to build and enhance our relationship with our Creator. Have a good Shabbos.